I've also seen it drop um, normal estrogen levels into the low range. So women are taking it, taking it, taking it because they think if a little is good, more is better. And all of a sudden she says, months later, I'm having all these symptoms. I have hot flashes, I have vaginal dryness, I have depression, I am feel more hormonal what's going on. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Hi friends. So there is one test that I get asked for more than anything else in terms of functional lab testing that I do with my clients. And that is the Dutch test. Now, this test is very powerful in terms of showing you your hormones, your estrogen, your testosterone, your progesterone, your cortisol. It can help you really figure out what's going on and why you feel so kind of funky, why you might be getting hair loss or skin breakouts, um, or really just struggling to get out of bed in the morning and actually understand and importantly, then take active steps in your lifestyle and your nutrition to change and rebalance your hormones. And that is the power of this test because it allows me and other people who use it as practitioners to be very directed in terms of the nutritional advice that we give you and the supplements that we prescribe alongside it to really make a change and bring your hormones back into balance. And so I'm so excited because we're going to be diving into that test and what you can see on it today with Dr. Carrie Jones, who is an internationally recognized speaker, consultant, educator on the topic of women's health and hormones. And she's also currently the medical director for Precision Analytical, which is the company that provides the Dutch test. So we dive into a huge amount of detail on this today. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Don't worry about making notes. You can go and download the transcript and the show notes over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. Um, but if you haven't already subscribed, please do subscribe to the podcast. So you never miss another episode. Um, you will get lots of value from this. It's it's such an insightful episode. And the other thing is don't forget to connect with Dr. Carrie over on her Instagram. She is super fun. She takes complicated concepts and really provides them in and sort of shares the information in a very intuitive and often funny way and helps break down really complex concepts in a way that is super easy to understand. So definitely check out her Instagram at Dr. Carrie Jones. And now without further ado, let me introduce you to the wonderful Carrie. So I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Carrie Jones, who is the Chief Medical Director of Dutch. She's a naturopathic doctor with 22 years of experience. She's an absolute expert in hormones. I follow your Instagram posts daily because you share so much incredible content. And I'm just so excited to have you here. So welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I know when you say 22 years, I'm like, wow, am I that old? <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> you definitely don't look it. You're defying aging and you have beautiful, clear skin. So I'm very jealous of that. <laughs> Functional um, medicine, right? Holy, holy, yeah. Practice what you preach. <laughs> exactly. You're definitely doing that. So um, let's just start off because not everybody listening will know what the Dutch test is. So I think that's probably a good place to start because it is so insightful and I use it so much with my clients. But you want to kind of summarize for people because it's been around for what, about 10 years or so, is it? It's it's been since 2012. It's okay. been around. Yeah. So it is an acronym. It stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So it is actually these little pieces of filter paper that you urinate on in the morning, a couple hours later around dinner before bed. And if you have insomnia and get up in the middle of the night, you'll do it then too. We take everything and let it dry and then the lab runs it. And the great thing about it being urine is that we get all your main hormones that you're used to, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, but we can actually peel back the layer of the onion. The, the urine part of it allows us to look deeper at the pathways. And that's what I love about it. We can look deeper at where your estrogen's going, deeper at where your testosterone's going, deeper at what's going on with your cortisol. We can look at things like melatonin. So instead of having to get maybe multiple blood draws or multiple kinds of tests. It's, it's sort of one-stop shopping that you can do at home, which makes it really convenient right now. Mm, really convenient and super easy to do, as you say, because it's dried um, urine on a mm. piece of paper. Um, and I think when I was delayed with a bank holiday, I simply just put it in the freezer for a few days and then mm -hmm. sent it off. So it was all fine, which was nice and easy. Um, you can also combine it, can't you, hand um, handily with the saliva test as well. So you I can often do that. So the saliva part gives you the cortisol awakening response, which is a much more like 
focused in test on um, your morning cortisol. So the urine test is like a broad sweeping look at your cortisol throughout the day. We look at four points. Whereas when we add in the saliva aspect to it, we actually look at three strategic points right in the morning for those people who say, when I wake up, dot, 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 right? When I wake up, I feel pain. When I wake up, my autoimmune symptoms are bad. When I wake up, I have anxiety. I can't wake up. Like I hit the snooze alarm 16 times and I need a lot of coffee. So when people say that to you as your clients, when they're like, gosh, I have, I have in the morning, I, when I wake up, I, that's when it's a really great test to like, what's going on in that first hour of waking. So we can catch that cortisol awakening response and see what it's doing. Yeah, I found that really useful, as you say, particularly like people who have maybe been through a period of stress and now they're almost a bit burnt out. And as you say, they can't wake up without caffeine or some kind of hit workout to get going, which is yeah. the opposite of what they should be doing in that scenario, right? Yeah. People um, don't realize that that cortisol awakening response, it kicks off in about 20 to 30 minutes of you opening your eyes and waking up. And it gets you from like, okay, I'm conscious you know, I just woke up to alert. And so it's a great, it's my cheater question. I ask people, how long does it take you to feel alert and ready to go in the morning? And most people respond like an hour, two hours, couple cups of coffee. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I think you have a problem with your cortisol awakening response because it should kick off in about 20 to 30 minutes without caffeine. It should naturally push you into an alert state. Now there are people who go the other way, people who are go, Oh my gosh, not only am I alert, but I'm anxious. I'm panicky. I'm hypervigilant. That's an over responsive, mm -hmm. um, awakening response. And so it's really nice to see, are you, are you above? Are you flatline? Do you go down? Like what's going on with that line? Yeah, that's really nice to see. And what I find is, you know, when you wake up and you feel stressed, if you've been through a stress period, like we were just talking before about kind of me homeschooling three kids during the lockdown <laughs> and running my business, that was quite stressful. I would wake up just kind of quite charged at five o'clock in the morning for the day. Mm -hmm. And that's where I noticed, because we, we were mentioning what we were about continuous blood glucose monitors as well, that my fasting blood glucose would be up because of that cortisol. Whereas when I would then, if I, if I actually made the time and decided, right, I'm going to make sure I meditate today or do some breath work. Like breath work's amazing. Even things like four, seven, eight breathing, isn't it? If mm -hmm. you've only got five minutes, I would see my HRV go up that night on my aura. I would see my CGM readings go down. And I just find the whole thing for women in particular in their forties, that is such an amazing test when you, especially when you combine it with other data. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I don't, I think people don't realize cortisol's main job is to deal with, with glucose to deal with blood sugar, right? It's we cortisol is what we call it's in the families of glucocorticosteroid, um, gluco because it's glucose is its primary job. If cortisol had a resume, <laughs> it's skills. It's number one skill set would be, I can help you get more, make more, create more glucose. That's what cortisol's number one job is. We think of like, Oh, stress management. We think, Oh, belly fat. We think, Oh, it's inflammation, but really it's, it's, um, blood sugar, because when you are stressed out, the brain goes, oh, wow, she's really stressed out. She's going to need glucose to fuel her muscles and fuel her brain because she needs to be on alert and she needs to run and she needs to be ready to go. And so it you get this breakdown and creation of glucose. And then if you don't run, if there, like, if there's no actual event in front of you that you're going to fight or flight to use up and utilize that blood sugar, if you're just watching the news, which is scary. You get a bad text. You're thinking about all the things you have to do. Your kids are stressing you out. Then you don't utilize all that glucose like, like you should, or your body thinks you're going to. And now you have a higher fasting glucose or you have higher fasting glucose throughout the day. I was telling you the, the story before we went live of, I had a bad day and I was yelling. <laughs> I was in the car and I was just verbally venting. I'm an external processor. Um, and bless my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he's patient. He listens to me. Um, and, but nobody was in the car. It was just me. And I was yelling, 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 rehashing the event. And when I got to where I was going, I checked my blood sugar and it was much higher. And I, it's just a good reminder of like, Oh, right. My body, my brain was like, well, she's, she's angry and fearful. There must mm. be something really like a tiger. We better release a lot of cortisol and, and adrenaline. And that will increase her, her blood sugar so she can run. And I was like, Oh, except I'm not running. I'm not going to fight anything. I'd like to, but that's not going to happen. And so I had higher <laughs> glucose as a response.
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And, but I guess you've got to get a little bit of that out because we're never going to not be stressed, are we? But it's sort of having the practices. Um, So in terms of the estrogen, I find really, really Mm. interesting on the test because this is quite unique insofar as you can actually see which pathways it's going down, which Mm. is important. Um, Can you explain for people listening, because it can go down various routes, um, which is, is, is key information for women to understand. Yeah. So estrogen, um, when you make an estrogen or maybe some women are on um, hormone replacement therapy, so they're taking an estrogen, the, the, you've, your two main estrogens, one is called estradiol or E2 and the other one is estrone or E1. And you have to process them. So you they don't just leave your body as estrogen. They, they get broken down and converted into other hormones. Now in that process, we call it detoxification. Um, the fancy term for it is metabolism. And therefore, as they get broken down and converted into other things so you can get rid of them, those are called the metabolites. And so basically we have a three phase step of detoxification. So the body's like, all right, you know, estrogen, thanks, thanks for doing your job. It's time to retire. It's time to go primarily pushes it to the liver. You totally detoxify in other tissues, but primarily in the liver. And that's what's called phase one. And in phase one, it goes down one of three pathways with, with estrogen. And so um, and the pathways are numbered. They're numbered uh, pathway number two, pathway number four, and pathway number 16. Uh, it, it's, and then people ask, like, why did they name them one, two, three? Oh. I'm like, well, it has to do with positions and molecules on them and, and like where things that change. So pathway two, um, it's called 2-OH. OH is hydroxy. So to the two pathways considered less carcinogenic. It's, it's the pathway we prefer as women. The four pathway is considered more carcinogenic. If you head down that pathway, you have more risk for damage to your DNA. And the 16 pathway is considered proliferative. It makes things grow. So maybe good for bones, bone health, but maybe not so great for breast tissue, uh, clots, fibroids, things, heavy periods, things like that. We can't ever make any of the pathways zero. You will always go down one of the pathways, some various degrees, some percent, but we can help with diet and lifestyle and, you know, some supplement stuff, um, sort of push you to one pathway, uh, or another when you're going through detoxification. So once you go through phase one, you have to go through phase two and phase two essentially makes you water soluble. So once you're water soluble, you can get rid of it. You can pee it out or you can eliminate it, you know, through stool, you can poop it out. And that process is different. That process uses a, a, a um, the COMT or COMPT enzyme. So for people who are into DNA testing, maybe they've had their DNA tested, look for the COMPT, COMT enzyme. And that neutralizes your estrogen. So we like that. We like that pathway. And then phase three is the excretion. It's the get rid of it pathway. So in your, you know, bile through, so gallbladder and intestine, intestinal health is really important. Kidney health. So the way that you, you know, urinated out, are you hydrated or your kidneys? Okay. So that's how we get rid of estrogen. There are other ways to detoxify for sure. Sweating, breathing, right. That, that, those are all part of our get rid of stuff plan. Estrogen in particular likes to go through the kidneys or it likes to go through the intestines. And so for women, it's really nice on the Dutch test. We look at the first phase and the second phase to give you an idea of, of where your estrogen is going. And then what we can do is say, gosh, you know, you have all these symptoms, you have heavy periods, you have clots, you have fibroids. Maybe you have a history of breast cancer, maybe family history of breast cancer. Like let's, let's sort of try to push you more onto the pathway that's less carcinogenic. And then let's improve your ability to neutralize it. And then let's improve your excretion. So let's make sure you're having daily bowel movements. Let's make sure you're getting, you know, enough vegetables. Let's make sure you don't have um, parasites and candida and mold and mycotoxins and things like that, that are going to affect your elimination. And so it can be really eye-opening and mind-blowing to women because they get their blood drawn and their doctor goes, oh, you're fine. You're totally fine. And she's like, but I feel terrible. Like I have PMS and I have tender breasts and I have endometriosis and like, what is all this? And so it's nice to have this extra information. Yeah, for sure. Because as you say, you can be really targeted then in terms of your treatment. So when you've seen in terms of those pathways, one you say is more prolific in terms of growth and the other one um, 
obviously there's a nice green and you, you actually you present them really well on the report because it gives mm -hmm. you the percentage range that you, range ranges that you should be within and also shows you are you in the green route are you mm -hmm. um, so it makes it nice and easy in terms of the one sort of that middle pathway that causes the DNA damage potentially and then the other one that's more proliferate um, is it in terms of breast cancer risk which one is more important in that sense because causing DNA damage is also pretty bad as well it is really bad. So the proliferation, the 16 one with proliferation has been linked to breast cancer. Um, what I'm reading in literature is a little bit more of if you already have it. So if you had developed breast cancer and you are a 16 person, that it's going to increase proliferation. Whereas the four pathway, because of its ability to um, damage DNA faster, worse than the other pathways, that's the more concerning one, I think, for um, the actual creation of cancer. So they can kind of come at breast cancer in particular from two different ways. And so, um, but the, especially that four pathway, that's the one that I am um, using diet lifestyle supplements to try to change it. So I often get asked, what supplements do I take on a regular basis? And how do I have such high energy every day? And so what I've done is I've put together a little list of my favorite supplements that I take, ranging from things like B vitamins and magnesium um, to collagen and even some that are more geared to hormonal health. And also those supplements I take for longevity alongside some of my favorite books in health that I've read and you can now go and access the list of all of those by going to bit.ly forward slash Angela recommends I even have in there a little hangover limitation set of supplements that you can use for when you do kind of occasionally maybe go off the rails um, not that we should be doing that very often at all, but I have my top supplements for longevity and hormonal health. Um, you can see in there what I like to take. Obviously, I cannot prescribe anything over this podcast, but I can share with you some of the things that have worked for me. And you can go and check out that list. It's over at bit.ly forward slash Angela recommends. Now let's get back to the show. And can we talk about the supplements there? Because you detail this on your Instagram in quite a bit mm -hmm. of detail, which is really, really helpful. Because otherwise people end up taking, oh, they hear, oh, dim's good, I must take it. But that right. can lower estrogen without actually knowing what's going on in their bodies. I think this is why the Dutch is so important. Mm -hmm. um, what would somebody be using and when? Can you just go over that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so dim, as you said, is methane. Dim comes from the broccoli family, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, that whole brassica family. And it's an ingredient. Actually, what it is, it's, it's the ingredient in there is called I3C, indole 3 carbonyl. So some people may see that on their supplements. When you take I3C or when you um, eat those foods, then the stomach acid breaks it apart and converts part of it into dim. And that dim is... Um, what, where the magic happens. And what DIM does is it takes your estrogen that's floating around in circulation and it pushes it preferentially down the two pathway. Um, mostly it, it can, in some women, it can up and men, it can upregulate the four pathway, but preferentially it should hopefully go down the two pathway. So to a lot of women, that seems brilliant. I have estrogen issues. I will take DIM, but the problem are for the women who have low estrogen. Um, maybe they haven't cycled in a while. Um, they have amenorrhea. They've skipped periods. Maybe she's perimenopausal or menopausal with low estrogen and that DIM can make her estrogen lower. I've also seen it drop um, normal estrogen levels into the low range. So women are taking it, taking it, taking it because they think if a little is good, more is better. And all of a sudden she says, Months later, I'm having all these symptoms. I have hot flashes. I have vaginal dryness. I have depression. I'm, I'm, I feel more hormonal. What's going on? I'm like, oh, you actually lowered your estrogen too much. It, it can be that powerful. So I reserved him the supplement for when I see on a Dutch test that somebody's estrogen is actually high and that I'm trying to improve the two pathway. Now, if somebody's, if a woman's listening to this and she's like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to lower my estrogen that much. I don't want hot flashes. I don't want vaginal dryness. Then what we do is we look at the supplements um, and the nutrients that help reduce the DNA damage part. So that's where we look at broccoli seed as opposed to full broccoli. The broccoli seed gets us an ingredient called sulforaphane. We look at glutathione. We look at N-acetylcysteine. We look at resveratrol. Um, all of those are very helpful at reducing uh, that sort of naughty 
four pathway. So I'll use that instead. And maybe a low estrogen woman or a menopausal woman, right? A, a, a PCOS woman who hasn't had her period in a really long time. Um, believe it or not, can her estrogens can drop low. So I, that's where I look there. And then in phase two, phase two products are very, very different. COMT relies on magnesium. So many women are deficient in magnesium. And so magnesium is a big cofactor. Zinc can be used as a backup cofactor. And so making sure she's getting enough magnesium um, and zinc um, either in her diet or through her supplementation, you know, Epsom salt baths, you know, whatever she does to get her uh, magnesium up. And so it's, it, and then for the, for the, for the third phase, I'm looking at a lot of GI health stuff. So I'm looking like, do you have constipation? Like, why do you have constipation? Are we, are we treating parasites? Like, okay, let's address that. And you know, how is your intestinal health and prebiotics, probiotics and uh, supplements like that? Oh, really important. And what about alcohol? Because uh, this is important, isn't it? People, it's, it's, it's one of those things that as well you commonly see in, in women's sports just because they're under so much pressure. Mm -hmm. They kind of reach for that evening glass of wine. But actually, this is really going to affect liver detoxification, isn't it? And it can um, end up with estrogen being repackaged, which is more dangerous when it's sent through the body. Um, can, yeah. you, can you kind of just go over that a little bit, please? And it's alcohol, I mean, they've talked about it the whole pandemic, right? Alcohol sales have gone up exponentially and everyone is at home and everyone is stressed out and everyone is trying to cope as best they can. And so, um, and, and the other pushback that I get are right now in the market, it's really, um, especially in our space, there's a lot of biodynamic and low sugar and organic alcohols, right? And so they're, they're promoting, you know, wine, like, oh, this wine is, is organic, biodynamic, low sugar, you know, it's, it's, it's healthier for you. I'm like, it, yes, but it's still alcohol and you still have to process it. And so if you are a woman and you are struggling with high estrogen type symptoms, the P, again, PMS, full tender breasts, heavy periods, um, clots, fibroids, endometriosis, you know, sort of the, those typical symptoms and you are drinking, your drinking has gone up. Keep in mind that alcohol is a bully and she's bigger, better, and stronger. And she will push her way to the front of the liver. The liver has to really process that alcohol and your estrogen could get in a, in a, an analogy, get pushed to the back. And so now it's like, Oh, okay, I guess I won't get processed today. And it goes back into circulation. And so I've had a lot, a lot of women, as I've been talking about this through, uh, the last year say to me like, Oh, wow, you're not kidding. I've been drinking a lot more wine. I've been having maybe a glass every night when I used to do it on the weekends, or maybe I've up to two glasses a night. And I am definitely noticing my skin is puffy and I'm PMS is worse. And my periods are worse. My mood is snappy. Like, yeah, it's you're it's possible, probable that the alcohol processing is taking, you know, it's like winning first place. And so everything else gets pushed to the back and, and you don't feel good. And does it go down a certain pathway when it gets pushed to the back? So when you were looking at those three pathways or it's not necessarily going to go down one over the other? It's not. Um, so with alcohol, um, I don't necessarily see it. Uh, I don't see alcohol itself necessarily push somebody down um, like the two or the four or the 16 pathway. I see uh, environmental toxins affect how estrogen goes through detox. So especially those estrogen mimicking chemicals, mm. um, will go down some of the similar pathways as well. Um, but with alcohol, it seems to take precedence just in the liver and the liver can only handle so much at once. And so estrogen may be, the processing of estrogen may have, may be affected and that's what increases our symptoms. And so looking at things like um, estrogen mimickers then, so like one of the big ones is water. Water mm. is troublesome because it doesn't matter which way you turn, whether you're looking at water that even comes out of your tap and you're filtering it, whether you're looking at water in a glass bottle, it's actually incredibly difficult to get away from plastics, isn't it? Mm. It really um, is. It really, really is. genuinely is. And how much are you seeing this show up on things like estrogen metabolism? So unfortunately, because all the estrogen mimicking type hormones, phthalates, parabens, things like that, um, fertilizers, herbicides, they are not identical to estrogen. They're just close enough. So on all the lab tests, when you get your blood drawn for estrogen, if you do a Dutch test for estrogen, you're going to only see the estrogen that's in your body, or you're going to see bioidentical estrogen. If you take, maybe you're taking 
estradiol hormone replacement therapy. So unfortunately, this is what's hard is that you could have normal levels of estrogen on testing, but you are filled with estrogen mimicking chemicals because the chemicals don't show up on these hormone tests. That's the problem. So women will say, my estrogen looks good on testing, but I have all the symptoms you've just described. What's going on? I'm like, well, these chemicals get in your body and because they are close enough, they can fit like a, like a, like a key in a lock that's close enough and unlock the, the estrogen receptor, turn it on, and now you feel all the estrogen symptoms. And so, and we are seeing this more and more and more in the literature, the effect of these chemicals that can have on um, all our symptoms, right? Even all the way up to um, cancer, unfortunately. And now I think the most recent one was in, even in men, like men can't get away from it. Um, you know, we're seeing like the effect of these chemicals when, you know, babies are growing in utero, we're seeing the effect of these chemicals on sperm count. We're seeing the effect of these chemicals on fertility rates um, because they can just really be nasty. And our environment is absolutely full of them. I mean, even chemicals that were banned years ago, like they don't break down well, mm. <laughs> even in the environment and the soil and the water and our, in the animals, whatever. And so um, they're not exactly all biodegradable and therefore they're still hanging out and we still can get affected by them. Coupled with the fact that we have thousands of chemicals now in, in our, in our everyday use. Um, mm. that yeah, I think when us. you look at the number of chemicals that a newborn baby is born with, it's just, it's frightening, isn't it's it? How many they horrifying. Have. Yeah. yeah. Really scary. Um, so let's talk about androgens and testosterone and things, because this is also covered on the test. Mm -hmm. So this is common when women are feeling like as well, if they're getting kind of skin problems and things quite often that's to do with androgens and you go into these on the pathway mm -hmm. on the, on the different, um, on the test results, what can happen there that women should be looking out for kind of generally, and then also specifically in perimenopause. So testosterone and um, the other one of the other androgens we test for are uh, DHEAS, um, which is testosterone can be made in the ovaries and it can be made in the adrenals and other places in the body. And then DHEAS are made in the adrenal glands. But there, like you said, there are androgen hormones. And if you have too much of them, or if they're going down a particular pathway, we call it the five alpha pathway, which we show on the test. And what that five alpha pathway does is it, it converts the androgens into a very, very potent androgen known as DHT, dihydrotestosterone. And that's what causes that like cystic acne on the jawline and the female pattern baldness um, and the anger and the irritation and the hair growth in places that we certainly don't want as women. It's known as hirsutism. And so if, we, if you are experiencing those symptoms and we can see like, oh my gosh, you were going down that pathway. Um, everything's lit up. It's like everything's high down that pathway. What can we do to help reverse it, slow it down, get you to go down the other pathway, which is known as the beta pathway, which is like less reactive. It's less likely to cause acne, less likely to cause, um, you know, hair loss and, and then hair growth in places we don't want. And the cool thing about that pathway is again, it's, it's changeable to diet lifestyle stress. And so things like inflammation and insulin will upregulate that pathway. It's a very commonly upregulated pathway in PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Women with PCOS commonly have acne, cystic acne. They commonly get hair growth right on their, on their chin, on their neck, around their nipples, on their belly that they don't want. They're commonly experiencing female pattern hair loss. So loss at the temples, loss at the back, the, the top of the head, the crown of the head. And so again, it's that DHT. Well, insulin can be a big pusher of that pathway. So if somebody is struggling with insulin, getting their insulin under control, they're struggling with a lot of inflammation and stress, you can just, you can upregulate that pathway. So from a lifestyle standpoint, from a diet standpoint, from an exercise standpoint, I love that. I'm like, I can look at this pathway and go, oh my gosh, Great thing, great, good news. You, there are proactive things that you can do. And there, of course, are supplements and even medications that help slow the pathway down. Um, but a lot of women are like, I'm tired of taking medications. I'm tired of taking supplements. Like, what can I do in my everyday life? And I'm like, great, let's address your inflammation. Let's address your insulin and let's see if we can help slow this down. Mm. And the insulin for people to understand that will often mirror those spikes will often mirror spikes in blood glucose, right? So they if do. they wear a CGM, then they're going to get a good idea of what's going on and how they're managing it. Yes. Um, 
I found that so insightful because it's really interesting. I've done it recently and then we did it a year ago, both my husband and myself, and we've tested our genetics and we're we're very different in that sense. But also he's male, I'm female. And, you know, for me, like celery juice would just rocket my blood glucose, Mm. like sky high. Um, You know, if I have something like a root vegetable soup, when it's unopposed, so it's not really got much fat with it, it hasn't got protein with it. Again, that butternut squash it just sends it really high. So I know, and I just, I don't know about you, but I find it so insightful because you can manage these things so much better. And right. as you say, like particularly in women like myself with PCOS, we have to be more careful. It's it's yeah. boring, but you just do. Yeah. Um, I fortunately haven't had hair growth, but I have had the cystic acne and the hair loss, which is mm-hmm. um, yeah equally like difficult to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of supplementation that you found to get those androgens under control, what have you found there? So we're looking at things like, um, we call them five alpha blockers because that's what the medications are. So, um, when we're looking at supplements that we're thinking of things like reishi mushroom, that's one of my favorites. Um, it just, you have to be very careful though with reishi. Don't just go out and buy any old mushroom supplement, right? Like you want to make sure you get quality and they test it for, um, for like, it is what it is. It's supposed to be reishi quality, reishi mushroom. Uh, but we look at other things like saw palmetto, mm-hmm. stingy nettle root. Um, you'll see zinc in, in a lot of these, a lot of these, um, uh, supplements, beta cytosterol. Um, they can be, uh, pygium, which is P Y G E U M. And honestly, if you're looking up these supplements, I always warn, warn women, you'll look them up. And a lot of times you'll find them in prostate blends. Right. And so women are go, I don't have a prostate carry, you know, I'm, I'm female. Like, no, I get that. But because this pathway is very, androgens are very associated with men, even though women a hundred percent have them just not to the same level. Um, and because this pathway can affect the prostate in men, then they tend to put these stuff, these in things that say prostate formula or, you know, prostate support. So I tell women, look, it's just the label on the body bottle. Feel free to cover it up. I just need the stuff inside. The stuff inside is what could help the acne or the hair loss or, you know, the hair growth in the places you don't want. Um, so yeah, I've noticed that myself actually. That they're often in the UK here as well. Those supplements will be right. indicated. It'll be, it'll be like, women will go, I can't, I can't find. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't. I mean, the ratio you can find by itself, but they're like, I can't find these supplements. I'm like, so go to the men's section, <laughs> look at the prostate. <laughs> just don't, just don't look at the label. <laughs> The title. Yeah, the reishi, I like to tincture under the tongue. Me too. Yeah, I think it just works really well. And it really helps. That combined with chaga just really helps my sleep. It really kind of just chills me out before bed, I find. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, also what you um, feature on there as well, which is really helpful, is some organic acids. So you look yes. at um, kind of markers for B, some of the key B vitamins and also mm-hmm. glutathione mm-hmm. Um, and adrenaline. So that that's really interesting at the back as well. It um, is. Because- and it relates to hormones, especially. So the, the B, the B vitamin, um, on our list. It, so with the, um, the B, we do a B vitamin B12 and a B6 marker. And so it's the opposite of what you think on the Dutch test, when the B12 and B6 markers are high, it actually means those levels in your B12, B6 are probably low in your body. Um, as opposed to drawing a B12. And if it's high or low it is what it is. So it's actually the opposite of what you think in those markers, but our B12 in particular is a denosyl B12. So there are four types of B12. There's cyanocobalamin with a C. Cyanocobalamin is synthetic, very cheap. Um, it's a little concerning because uh, cyanide is one of the things it breaks into, but tiny amounts. And then we have hydroxyl B12 and hydroxyl B12 can form either methyl or adenosyl. And then those are our final two B12 markers. So we have adenosyl and we have methyl. So adenosyl and methyl B12 are our two active forms of B12 in the body. Everyone's heard of methyl B12 because of MTHFR. It gets a lot of press with methylfolate. Adenosyl B12, unfortunately, doesn't get very much press at all, but adenosyl B12 with an A helps our mitochondria. So adenosyl B12, if we remember way, way, way back to chemistry in school, we learned about something called the Krebs cycle. And the Krebs cycle is the kind of the precursor to uh, us, um, our ability to make ATP or energy that the, this, the mitochondria are cellular powerhouses, right? We all learned that. So adenosyl B12 helps get one ingredient 
into that Krebs cycle to make it go round and round. So if you struggle with a adenis low adenosyl B12, you could also be struggling with mitochondrial issues, energy being a big one, um, struggling to make hormones, your progesterone, your estrogen, your cortisol, testosterone, they're all, their formation are all started in the mitochondria. And so having low levels of adenosyl, I'm like, oh, it's not MTHFR. It's very different. It's more on the mitochondrial side. And so people really like that because in our tests, we're looking at cortisol mm. and we're looking at stress and we're looking at hormone production and where the hormones are going. But if your mitochondria are struggling, you're going to struggle to make your hormone like cortisol in the first place. And so we get that little like insight into the adenosyl B12 um, on the Dutch test, which makes it really nice. Yeah, that is. That's a really good part of it. And also you get the B6 as well, right? Which can help we do. Yeah. sleep and melatonin production. Yes. B6 is mm -hmm. probably one of my, definitely one of my top favorites. Just for me personally, I know I, I thrive off of a lot of magnesium and I thrive off of a lot of B6. And so um, the active form of B6 is called P5P and P B6 is a cofactor in so many things like the creation of hormones, the creation of brain hormones, um, detoxification. I mean, it's just really useful quite a bit. And so that's why we added in there because it's of its tight relationship with hormone health. Mm. And you measure the melatonin as well, which is, we do measure melatonin. Yeah. So we measure what happens is you make melatonin in the night and then it all goes into the bladder and then it sits in the bladder until you have your first morning urine. And then of course you pee it out. So in the Dutch test, we, we pull your melatonin result off your first morning urine test. So it confuses some people because it will say morning melatonin and they'll go, my melatonin's not, you know, it's not supposed to be high in the morning. I'm like, no, I know, but it was high all night long. And then because we're a urine test, it sat in your bladder and then, and then we, we managed to collect it. And what's so great about melatonin, um, one, it's a perfect for the onset of sleep. So for people who struggle to fall asleep, Melatonin is where we look. If you struggle to stay asleep, that's different. That's GABA. Um, but melatonin is the onset of sleep. And melatonin is a very powerful antioxidant. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Your ovaries concentrate a lot of melatonin. Um, they, it's, it's thought that melatonin is made or created right in the mitochondria um, itself. Uh, it's a theory. Because you... In the, in the creation of energy and the creation of hormones, you, you actually, it's, it's very stressful to do so. And so the body was smart and the body goes, not a problem. I'm going to put antioxidants right there at the site of the stress creation so that it can, you know, mop it up, vacuum it up. Mm -hmm. And melatonin is a big, big one. And, um, we always think of melatonin for sleep, but we forget how helpful it is for hormone production, just because it helps put out fires. It, it sort of vacuums up all that stressful yeah. oxidative it stress. It's like an, a powerful antioxidant hormone, isn't it? And it's interesting because it. when I've looked at the research, what you really want to be doing is encouraging that natural melatonin production mm -hmm. rather than trying to take melatonin. Yes, um, unless somebody has the SNPs, um, unless I have had a few patients over the years where we've done their genetic test and um, to get from serotonin, so melatonin comes from serotonin, believe it or not. And to get there, there's there are two... Um, SNPs. And if you have a variant to neither of them, you can struggle to make melatonin. So in a few patients over the years, I have had people who've unfortunately had, uh, you know, mutations and therefore struggle to make melatonin. So in those people, I do put them on melatonin. But the thing about melatonin is we actually only make a very low level every day. We make about 0.3 milligrams a day. And all the supplements um, in the United States, melatonin is over the counter, but even the prescriptions usually starts at one, three, five mm -hmm. milligrams, huge, 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 huge doses. And um, I, for years now, I've been, I, I read the, the original melatonin research. It's out of, um, MIT here in the States. And it, they were like, it's really little. It's like 0. 0.3. Why, why are we, why are we jacking it up so much? And so I've been really encouraging people to try to do less than a milligram, especially for those who take mel melatonin and say, I feel groggy or I get nightmares or I have weird dreams or I feel terrible on it. Mm, you're probably taking way too much. Let's drop it probably by 10. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it really low. But it's easy to do, isn't it? I know when I've been to the States, if I've picked some up for jet lag, like it does come yes. in really high doses because here it's not easy. You can't just go and buy it over the counter. Right, right. Um, and for jet lag, you should do higher doses, uh, jet lag, and, but it's a short period of time, right? You're just trying mm. to phase by, phase yourself back into your current uh, 
you know, if you go from the States to the UK, you're just trying to phase yourself either five to eight hours, depending on which coast you're on. I'm eight hours from you. So, um, you know, I may need four or five days of melatonin to remind my, my clock genes, my circadian rhythm, you know, Hey, you're coming home now. So let's get you back. And then I would stop. I wouldn't stay on a higher, like a three or five milligram dose. I would, once I'm adjusted, then I would stop it and mm. go back to my normal rhythm. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to come back actually to the circadian element because I think it's so important and you talk mm. about it quite a lot in your work. Um, but the last thing you put on the back sheet at the end of the test there is also the epinephrine and norepinephrine, don't you? Yeah, the metabolites. Yeah. They're not the actual markers. I don't want people to think are actually um, looking at dopamine, looking at norepinephrine, looking at epinephrine. We're looking at their breakdown products. So it gives you a little bit of like a cheater insight as to maybe what's going on in the body, which is mm. nice. Yeah, definitely. I like it. I, I think it just works so very well. Um, so let's talk about, because I know circadian alignment is really important, but you also do so many things that really optimize your health. And you are like looking at you, you look glowing, you look a picture of health. <laughs> so I think many good lighting, people, good lighting. <laughs> I'm sure it's not just good lighting. I think lots of the listeners will be definitely wanting to know what are your key things that you do on a daily basis? Cause we haven't talked about fasting. Fasting such a big one as well. Yeah. Like, can you fast yeah. too much? Is it going to raise cortisol? Is it? And I'm just really curious as to what you found is the optimal balance with like similar age as well, both in our forties. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. So I do, I do intermittent fasting and I do intermittent fasting. I'm probably, I probably average 14 hours a day. Definitely some days it's just 12. Some days I have zoom meetings start, start really early and go all morning. And turns out I'm at 16 hours because of my, you know, poor scheduling. Um, and so I find that intermittent fasting, um, I do it pretty much all the way, I would say up to close to my period. Once I get close to my period, I maybe ease off or if I wake up hungry, then I'll just go ahead and eat. Um, but I found that has made a lot of help just to stop eating all the time. Because I think mm -hmm. I've read that humans tend to eat something like um, like 15 to 20 times a day. And you might think that's crazy. You might think, well, not you, but like somebody listen might think like, there's no way I eat 15 times a day. But if you think of all the things you just snack on, like you just, if you just grab an almond and put it in your mouth, that counts as one, you know, and then like breakfast counts as two and then finishing off your kid's plate counts as three. And then you pour some kombucha and have a sip that counts as four. Right. And then, so all these little things throughout the day, um, a little nibble here, a little munch here, all of those are affecting your blood sugar and your insulin. And so you never give your digestion a break. You never give your pancreas a break. And so I'm definitely trying to be more conscious around like, like having hours in between one, when I eat to the next time that I eat and giving and giving everything a break. And I found for me that it's been really, really helpful between moderating my gl glucose, doing intermittent fasting, stop eating all the time. I'm not saying I don't have days. We all have days. The other day, if we have in the States, we have, um, Siete chips, which is cassava flour chips, and they are so addictively good. And I pretty much <laughs> ate my body weight in chips and guacamole. <laughs> I, put it on Instagram, I was like, it's Friday. This is what I did y'all. So, um, but I have found that it's been really, really helpful at either my, my cravings, um, my snacking, um, even just maintaining, you know, a healthy weight as I am in my forties. And so that has been a really helpful thing for me. Um, I also don't push it. So speaking of cortisol, women will say, Oh, I don't want to fast. I don't want to affect my cortisol. I go to Dr. Mindy Pels, who you have interviewed. Uh, she's my fasting go-to person. The other um, practitioner I love is Cynthia Thurlow. So I listen to them and I like test my hormones and I see what my cortisol does with fasting. And I've, I've checked my cortisol perks of the job. I work for Dutch multiple times, multiple times. And fasting, it doesn't affect intermittent fasting. I should say doesn't affect my cortisol at this point. And in fact, I've even done the fasting mimicking diet, um, prolon. Oh, and yeah. I did Dutch testing before all five days of prolon and for two days after, and my cortisol reacted exactly how you would expect. It was like the first day was like, what are you doing? You know? And the second day went up. And then by the third day, it was like, all right, if this is what we're doing. And then by the sixth day, when I was done, I was back to normal. And so I feel that my cortisol rhythm, um, is, has a, is a, is adjusted or, or doing well. And, but I also didn't jump into crazy fasting. I didn't go from never having fasted. You know, I, see, I do see women who will 
never have tried fasting and suddenly they're like, all right, I'm going to do 20 hours. I'm like, whoa. Mm. Let's, or let's when they well. layer, <laughs> I see people when they sort of layer lots of different things on top. So it's like, right now I'm going to do an 18 hour fast and I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to yes. do a weight stroke hit session. And then yes. I'm not going to eat afterwards and I'm running around with the kids and then they wonder where their hormones are off. And sometimes it's right. just a case of like pick one, right? They're all right. <laughs> stimulating autophagy. We don't need to do everything at once, isn't yes. it? That's the thing. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. So what are the biggest no-nos for hormones? Like what are the biggest ones that you would say this? No, 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 no. You mustn't do. Um, don't be sedentary. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is hard. I know right now, depending where you live, it can be really challenging to get any kind of movement in. If you are not allowed to really leave your house, gyms are closed, trying to work out at home, small space. I totally understand that. Um, but in general, I find the more sedentary women, uh, struggle a lot with, uh, with their hormones. I find, um, staying up late, being on screens, not getting enough sleep. Um, that's a no, no, the, the body likes rhythms. Our ovaries like rhythms, our adrenal glands, like rhythms, our pancreas, our eating habits like rhythms. And so the biggest, greatest, grandest rhythm we have is the light and dark cycle. And so honor it in the morning, wake up, open your blinds, go outside for a couple minutes, get that full spectrum light in that's, that sets your day. It sets your rhythm. And at night you want darkness. So wear blue light blocking glasses. Um, I try to get off my screen an hour before bed. Some days are better than others. Um, and, and I sleep in complete darkness because darkness resets the circadian rhythm. And it's interesting. I have a lot of, I have a lot of women that say, tell me the magic supplement to manage my stress or my sleep or my energy or what have you. But, and, but yet when I t- ask them about their life, they're like, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm, I'm, I'm a mom or, um, I put the kids down and then I have the evening free. So that's when I catch up on my emails and I'm on Instagram and I'm, I'm doing, 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 I'm, I'm working and having a glass of wine. And then it's 11 o'clock and I'm trying to, I'm trying like suddenly trying to wind down. Um, the same goes for the women who say, well, I watch a lot of TV at night just to relax. I'm, I watch Netflix. I'm watching documentaries. I'm watching, you know, funny stuff, scary stuff, what have you. And so I understand, but at the same time, I'm like, well, but if you're struggling with sleep and you're struggling mm-hmm. with stress, like, let's stick with the basics. It's, it's the body wants light and dark in, in that order. It's so mm-hmm. I, I supplements are great, but if you don't go back to the basics, the, the light and dark are not going to override or the light and dark will always override the supplements, I think. And the supplements are a nice bandaid. So yeah, I just agree. he, those key, like, and the great thing is light and dark is free, cheap and easy, mm-hmm. right? Like in, in this economy, it's really nice to go. Even it's, I, I live in the Pacific Northwest. Our weather is very much like your weather. And um, even on a gray day, if I open the door in the morning and just my butt to my backyard and get five or 10 minutes of light, even on a gray day, natural light, beats anything. And so I'll do that in the morning and then at night, you know, try to be off my screen, sleep in darkness, wind down at night. That's wind with a D not wind with an E one. <laughs> and, just the um, easy one. Right. Right. And so, um, and you know, that doesn't really cost any money, which is wonderful. And those rhythms, um, again, the rhythm from that dark, light, dark rhythm from the brain literally affects every rhythm in your body. So mm. your reproductive rhythm, your hunger rhythm, your digestive rhythm, everything. Yeah. And all the hunger and satiety hormones. And you can see it as well when you travel because women's menstrual cycles can be affected when they're crossing time zones. So there's yes. the evidence, right? That we do yeah. have clocks everywhere, yeah. including in our ovaries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as when I was a lawyer, we completely abused sleep as a corporate lawyer working multi time zones. Mm-hmm. We were just taught never to sleep. And that was definitely what headed me towards burnout. And I just think you yes. learn it the hard way if you have to, but sleep yeah. is a non-negotiable. It's a bright line for me, for sure. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, The body will push back. I mean, I have working for a lab, um, for many, many years now, I hear a lot of cases. I have a lot of, you know, insight into women and they'll say, I tried, I tried to keep, I try to keep going. Right. I tried to keep burning the candle at both ends. I thought I could continue and the body pushed back and was like, Nope, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) And I laugh only because I would see it on paper. I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, I'm not doing well at all. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I'm a mess. I'm, you know, I'm on the floor. I'm like, yeah, you think as humans, we keep trying to push until the body Mm -hmm. says no, no, that 
mm -mm, not anymore. And so we have to be very careful to, to, to take care of ourselves, quite honestly, to take care of ourselves. Harder to do now, 100%. Um, but, you know, this is where like boundaries are really important. Your morning routine is really important. What you do at night is very important. The things you can control and the things that are free, cheap, and easy, like do it. Breathing mm -hmm. exercises, meditation, so much of that is available on apps that are free or, you know, YouTube that's free or your podcast that's free. Take advantage of it. Yeah, so true. So true. I think that first morning of the day and the last hour of your day mm -hmm. are just critical to your health and, and how well you're going to sleep and relax and manage it. Before yeah. you go, because I haven't used a lot of this and I've been really intrigued by your posts on castor oil. Oh, castor oil. Yes. Yeah, but you've used it for <laughs> years and I was like, okay. And then yeah. um, is it true? Because I can't seem to get to the bottom of it. Can it help your hair grow? Foster it oil. helps mine. I tell I mean, I'm an anecdotally, it helps mine. And in watching all the comments in my, uh, Instagram posts about castor oil, the number of women that absolutely swear by it for their hair loss, um, has been amazing. Now we should caveat, don't swallow it. You put it topically. <laughs> so, I, so a number of women might go, gosh, my grandmother used to give me castor oil. Yes. It, it, um, will, they used to use it depending on your culture, um, to purge worms and to really help constipation. Um, it's very, uh, um, how would I describe castor oil? It's not gentle if you take, if you swallow it. So be very careful, but topically, pants coming your way. It's exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's the way to say it. Um, but topically it's wonderful. So I use it on my eyelashes, on my eyebrows. Oh, I use it around. I actually have fake eyelashes on today. So okay, I was going to say, because your eyelashes look amazing. <laughs> are clearly no, missing are something here. <laughs> these are fake. However, I will say they have absolutely helped my eyelashes, my natural eyelashes grow a lot in my eyebrows, especially. Um, these are, these are, these are my eyebrows. These are not drawn on. Um, and so, and, and for hair, same for hair, I have women that will, you know, they'll, they'll like, like, cause they're thinning in the temple here. Yeah. They'll just sort say. of rub it, you know, they'll rub it in and, and let it sit, or they'll, um, add a couple drops to their shampoo. So they'll, you pour your shampoo in your hand and then you can, you can put a couple drops of castor oil in it. Castor oil is very thick. Mm. So I do have women with severe hair loss that have done, um, that do castor oil masks once a week. So they'll do the whole scalp and stimulate their scalp. They'll massage it, scrub it, what have you with the castor oil, let it sit for 10 minutes, but it is a very thick oil. It takes several washes to get out. Just be very careful. Whereas a couple of drops. So in your shampoo or your conditioner, um, is not, and you still can get some of that stimulatory effect into the scalp and can be helpful. And then you can spot treat, uh, as you need, but I primarily use it on eyebrows and eyelashes and the thin skin around my eyes. And I've noticed a huge difference mm, around your eyes. It. So mm -hmm. it doesn't cause any kind of puffiness. Cause I was, I was really careful about oil around my eyes. It not for me, I, you know, I definitely want you to be careful if, yeah. if you have a history of that, but for me, I've, um, my eye area has generally been very sensitive. So everyone's like, oh, I have this new eye cream, try this eye cream. And I will get these little tiny bumps that I will break out in when I have a, like a, maybe either not a poor quality eye cream, but there's something in there I react to. And I don't, the castor oil that I use is out of Canada and it's, it does, I don't react to it at all. With castor oil, you want to be very careful. It's an oil. So you don't want it in, you don't want it in plastic. You want to buy it in a glass bottle because an oil mm -hmm. will absorb all the plastic right into it. And then you're going to rub it on your, around your eye. Don't do that. Um, and you want to make sure it's organic and you want to make sure that it's, uh, cold pressed. It's, you know, it's an oil, it's gentle. You want to be gentle, cold pressed. You want to make sure it's hexane free, that it was not created with a lot of harsh chemicals. So it is a high maintenance oil in how you get it, but how you use it, it doesn't have to be high maintenance. It's, it's very easy. And you very can use it oil. for on top, like castor oil packs yep. on the liver and Absolutely. Gut. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's where I started out with. I was castor oil packs. 22 years ago when I first learned about them, they can help. And that's they what, for sort of detox or? Detox, inflammation, gut motility. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so definitely. even topically like Hangovers. Hangovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had lots of women write me and say, oh my gosh, the next morning I did a castor oil pack. I did it before I went to bed and you know, that was some electrolytes and, uh, felt amazing in the morning. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> mm. No. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that. I will. Um, I'm definitely going to be topically adding it to my to my hair around my. Yeah, eyes now. No, and do it in the scalp. Like I, I, women will ask, oh, do I do it to my ends? Do I rub my all my hair? And I, I don't. Um, I just because it's anti-inflammatory, and so when you have hair loss, the hair loss is com- coming from the bulb in your scalp, and so I'm like, well, let's go right, literally right to the root. Let's go to the scalp versus thinking you need to put it all over, you know, all over your ends. And what about, um, lastly, skincare, because you mentioned stay away from parabens and different Mm -hmm. toxins, but then as you're kind of aging, a lot of women want to use kind of cosmeceutical or, Mm -hmm. sorry, that's the noise of my children who've turned back from (laughs) camp, (laughs) got back from hockey camp. Um, They're not being quiet at all. Um, Yeah, and and so it's difficult balance, isn't it? Because people want to use kind of quasi-medical stuff that is maybe better for anti-aging, is delivering vitamins and nutrients to the skin. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you feel for women's health and hormones is good in terms of topical skincare? So I'll be honest, I do. So my skincare, I have over the years have done all the switching. So I have very clean skincare. Um, I've gotten, you know, a lot of the chemicals and, and crap in my, in my lotion, my SPF, my makeup, um, things like that. The only thing I would be uh, these current fake eyelashes and uh, my eyeliner. I can't find an eyeliner that I like that's not quote clean, but pretty much everything else is I do, um, PRP. So I do and microneedling. So I do like that. Uh, PRP is when they draw your own blood Mm. and and spin it. And then, um, and some can add vitamins with it. They'll, they'll mix the two together. Uh, so I do really like that. Um, and then I like, um, I do like, um, like lymphatic massages, facial massages, you know, getting lymphatic work in general is really detoxifying. It's depuffing. It can be really, that can be really helpful. I like even things like gua sha for um, defining lymphatics. Again, lymphatics, cleaning, clearing, I have found to be really, really helpful. I have a lot of women that do, you know, Botox and filler and, and seem to do just, just fine with it. The filler is hyaluronic acid and um, which the body has hyaluronic, hyaluronidase and can, and can break it down. There's, there are, you know, cons people can do too much. Um, and there are definitely women who react and don't do very well. And there are a number who have done it for years and don't have issues. So I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty, uh, individual, but the micro needling is, um, you know, you can buy your own, just be very careful. I use those where you roll, like the dermal roller, roller, like a dermal roller. Yep. And so, um, I see a, a doctor, a woman who does, she gets a little deeper and then she does the PRP. And I believe she adds the last time I did it, which was well over a year ago because of the COVID, um, was she added the vitamins with it. Yeah. Which is good. And body brushing. Is that body brushing, lymphatic body brushing? Yes, definitely. I love body brushing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's easy, quick and again, quick and easy, right? A body brush, a bamboo or some sort of body brush. They're like 10 bucks, Mm. maybe cheaper depending. And, and you just need to, couple minutes and then I do it a couple minutes and then get in the shower. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Amazing. Not crazy. And can I just say then before you go, so where can people find you? They can find you on Instagram. You share all this. I love your reels. I just think they're really funny. I haven't done that yet. I need to get learning to do yes, it. Get on, the, get on the reel. Yes. It's amazing to me the people who do reels every day or several a day. I'm like, how do you have the time? How do you have the creativity? <laughs> well, yours um, are pretty creative. They're really funny. So please, yeah, link to where people can find you and find your content. You share absolutely. So Instagram. I love to hang out on Instagram. So I am at dr.carryjones. Okay. That's where I Perfect. have all my everything, all my education, everything's free. All on Instagram. And also there's a ton of information, isn't there, on the Dutch, Dutch. website. Yep. There's Dutch podcasts on there. Com. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Every all podcasts, including this one, will be on there. All our webinars are free on DutchTest.com. So if you even if you are not a practitioner, but you're just really into health and wanting to learn, you are feel free to watch any of our webinars. We cover the Dutch test, we cover stress, we cover estrogen detoxification, we've covered cancer, we have um, some fundamentals videos up right now. So fundamentals of the ovaries, fundamentals of, um, you know, testicles, men's health, fundamentals of just testing. Um, And so feel free to have at it. Yeah, it's an amazing resource. I will link to it in the show notes. And we didn't we didn't get onto men. So the poor men yeah. listening to this are like, <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> no, men aren't, aren't men aren't quite as complicated. I was talking to a, a practitioner the other day about, and he he was like, 
women are so challenging. Like men are more straightforward. I'm like, I know we really are. We can be that cycle, our menstrual cycle. Do you know, it's really funny as well, because I have two boys who are 12 and 13 and a daughter who's just turned nine and she's just way more emotional. And even they, they're just like, you girls are different. Like, yeah. <laughs> why is this so complicated? And it's like, it just is. But you'll be better men for growing up with a sister in the house. A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. 100%. If nothing will surprise them. They'll be very supportive. They'll understand. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been um, amazing to have you on the show and just learn all this stuff. I will link to everything that we've talked about in the show notes and also the website so people can go there, your Instagram. Um, thank you so much, Carrie. It's been a lot of fun having you on. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's It's been, um, you know, wonderful just to talk through all the topics and have them just tie it all together, which I think people need. I love that. Yeah, I think they do. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are enjoying the show, please do subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You'll get notified. And if you can leave us a review, we are always absolutely delighted when you do that. It helps to really spread the message more than you know. So I'm super grateful if you can um, head over and leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform that you're listening on. And if you want to download the show notes and the transcript for today's episode, then just head over to my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast thanks for listening remember to review and subscribe you can grab the show notes the resources and highlights of everything angela mentioned over at angelafosterperformance.com you can also snatch up plenty of other goodies including the highly helpful angela recommends page which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind body and lifestyle